This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. As of this recording, we're still counting numbers and electoral votes. But no matter who ekes out a victory, they're going to have to be ready to deal with the ongoing pandemic. We had months of warning about this third wave, and yet infections are outpacing anything the nation has seen yet. We're now averaging over 80,000 new cases every day in the U.S. Hospitalizations are trending up. The positive test rate also trending up. And on Tuesday here in Washington state, we set a new record for coronavirus cases in a single day, 1,469. And the big question remains, how does this end? Is there something we can try that we haven't tried? Well, the most interesting idea I've heard comes from this man. He is Dr. William Hazeltine. He is a seasoned virologist, former Harvard researcher, a contributor for Forbes magazine who has written extensively about this. So, Dr. Hazeltine, no matter who is elected president, what do you think that president should do next to uh, to do the right thing by the American population? Well, you know, I tell you that the real irony from all of this is that it's well known by now, proven in a number of countries, how to control this infection, get it down close to zero so people can go about reopening their economies, going back to school, going to theaters, having parties, uh, hooking up with no worries. And that is done in a number of countries only through public health with no vaccine and no drug. There are a number of countries that have got the infection rate so close to zero that the only way a new virus comes in is from some other country where the virus is prevalent. That includes about one-fifth of all humanity. There is something very peculiar sociologically, regulatory, and governmentally about the West. Europe, United States, South America. You could say that something like South America and Asia can't get it under control because they're poorly regulated. You cannot say that about Europe and the United States. Certainly, we have the ability, we have the knowledge, we have the sophistication, we have the data, we have the uh, information infrastructure to do it. We haven't done it. Whereas countries like China, South Korea, uh, Taiwan, New Zealand, Australia, have put this genie back in the bottle. We don't need a vaccine to do it, and a vaccine won't actually do it. You need a combination. But the best part and the strongest part of that combination is public health. Now, I have experience in both areas. I'm a fundamental research scientist uh, at Harvard doing fundamental research on cancer and AIDS. I've created many drugs, so I understand that part, in fact, vaccines. And I now, for the last 15 years, have been working on health policy and public health. I've been a professor at the Harvard School of Public Health as well. And if I balance the two, which side of my brain is most urgently needed? It's the public health side, the policy side, not the virology side. Just look at what China did. They had a rip-roaring infection in Wuhan. They shut down the entire province and within a matter of two or three months, eliminated COVID from a country of 1.4 billion. Eliminated it. I have offices in Beijing and Shanghai. My people for the last three or four months have been totally free, except to leave the country. They have very strict restrictions on where they can go and very strict restrictions on who can come. But 650 million people traveled in Golden Week about three weeks ago, and nobody got infected. Wow. But I'm guessing that you get, is, and we don't know that in the United States, we are our our filter 
for what works in other countries is so blurred that I think it comes as a shock to people that in one fifth of humanity that was seriously infected, there is no infection today and no death for weeks and months. Well, I think we're told that China's is massaging the figures, but you clearly don't believe that. So no, that is, that is, a, that is such propaganda. Yeah. That reminds me of my uh, youth as the Cold War, uh, where the information we got was so distorted about what was happening behind the Iron Curtain. We know, and most people know, that the, that the Chinese are free. To, their economy is booming. Their exports are up. Their imports are up. Their economy is growing. And I can tell you from direct conversations with my staff there, they are free as we wish we were. They're as free as we were before COVID. Okay, so lay, so lay it out for me. What would the U.S. version of that, if you were the head of the coronavirus task force, and it sounds like you could do it, what would you be telling people to do? What, would you, what kind of system would you put in place? I have a plan I call um, COVID control American style. And we can't do, I think, because of our sociology, and political ideologies and sense of individuality. What the Chinese did, which is to say, if anybody's exposed, they're quarantined alone or at home for 15 days. And you're gonna have an app on your phone that says you can't leave your house, you can't leave your room uh, if you don't have a green code on your phone. And people will look at your phone no matter where you go to, to check that that's the case. I think we would find that far too intrusive. But there is new technology which would allow us to do almost the same thing. What we have with an infection that is so rampant today, my guess is at any one time, any day, there's probably 20 million people walking around infecting others in the United States. You're not going to put all those people in their uh, homes lockdown. But what you can do is very rapid antigen tests. Those are measuring the virus or let's say very rapid virus test. Presence for virus is enough concentration so that you're likely to be contagious. Mm -hmm. We can do those tests now in five minutes. The first thing I would do is make those, I would have a billion of those produced as fast as possible using the Defense Production Act. We have the authority to do it. We have the money to do that. That would cost less than about 50, 60 billion dollars at the very outside. Those tests could be manufactured for 50 cents each. Anybody could use them like a pregnancy test. They should be available to people at home, and they should be available to businesses and to schools. That's the first thing. Detect people who are contagious. Then what do you do? You pay them to stay home. You pay them $500 a day to stay home as a family. And you make it illegal for anybody to shut off the job if somebody is staying at home for that reason. They have to get their job back. Whether they're infected or not, if it's a wife or a husband or a parent that's living together with somebody who's scored positive, they stay at home with $500 a day. Uh, and I believe it would dramatically change the trajectory so that in three to four months, we might be where China is. Wow. So there are solutions that are compatible with what we're doing, but the federal government is doing none of that. You've seen what a mess the testing is. Yeah, I've gone through the testing procedures. Even today, they are brutal to go through, very difficult to go through. So have you floated this by anybody in authority? 
Uh, well, I've, I've certainly floated it by people who hope to be an authority. Oh. And I've written this uh, in a number of different uh, places. Of course, I've written this. And this is not a fanciful idea. I think it's doable. But the only one organization in the United States that can do that, and that's the federal government. States don't have the resources and they don't have the authorities necessary to do that. The federal government has already declared a state of emergency. They have the power. We have all the legislation we need through uh, BioShield and BARDA legislation that was passed way back in 2003 or even earlier to, to protect us from uh, bioweapons and other naturally emerging uh, diseases. We have the authorities under uh, the uh, emergency powers to make sure that this sticks. Uh, and we have the technologies today. You know, three or four months ago, we might not have had them, but today we do. We have three or four technologies that can detect viral RNA or viral protein within a matter of five minutes, and it would be easy enough to do at home or with a little bit of assistance. We can train cadres of people to test entire families if one person was infected. Not a problem. We can teach businesses how to do that. But we, I see none of that happening. And I don't see a clear program from even the Democrats who would like to use the power of the federal government. I haven't seen a clearly articulated program that says this is what we should do. Well, I, but, can, see, I can see why. If, if Biden had proposed that before the election, I'm not sure he'd be within striking distance now. Well, why? To test people and to have them stay home with $500 a day? You don't think people would find that attractive? Well, maybe the $500, the is the, the, the $500 does check that they're really infected. Yes, it's a, the $500 is a new twist, which I hadn't considered. And that's, that's certainly uh, very tempting. But talk about government interference in a country that apparently is, is, is in no mood for that at all. But, but, uh, well, what, what, our choice is dying from this. Our choice is wrecking our economy again and again and again. You know, the hope, the other thing that we haven't talked about is this concept that the current administration has um, promulgated that this infection will die out. Yeah. That isn't a coronavirus any more than it's a flu virus. We've been infected by four coronaviruses for 50 or 60 years. And every year they come back and give you a cold and they give you the, the same virus will give the cold to the same person. There are studies that show that being infected one year doesn't protect you from exactly the same virus the second year. No matter what people will say about antibodies or T-cells, epidemiology tells you that these same viruses come back every year. And if you look at them individually, you'll find some people over a six-year period have been infected two, three, and sometimes four times by exactly the Well, that's why we have the therapeutics, right? You have the remdesivir and the others. So, okay, you get infected, but it's it's like taking well, a know, Tamiflu. Infected, do not put your hope in remdesivir. Remdesivir has, uh, is one of those drugs that has a bare minimum of effect. And when the WHO did a study of remdesivir in a very large population, they published the results that there was no measurable effect. Huh. No measurable effect. Well, how'd the president get yes. better then? If you do a study in a very fine, confined population, in a very tight window, you can get a very small improvement. You don't have a decrease in serious disease and you don't have a decrease in death. You have some measurement that some people don't have to stay in the hospital as long as they might otherwise have stayed. That drug has been recommended against by the World Health Organization based on a very big controlled trial. 
So don't put your home with that drug or any other drug that's currently available. What about the Trump drug cocktail? There are a lot of people who saw him, you know, emerge from that and say, I'll have what he's having. You know, how many people recover very quickly? Most of the people that get sick and go to the hospital don't leave in a coffin. Most of them leave on their own two feet. Yeah. And Trump is one of those people. And most people can recover relatively quickly, depending how ill they are. So it depends how ill he was and how fast they recovered. But there's no evidence at all that the drugs are what are responsible for his recovery. And in fact, when you look at the best drug combinations, the same thing is true for convalescent serum. They didn't seem to uh, help people in a WHO trial. And the most you see, and I look at all these trials pretty carefully, are very marginal effects. Let's take the best effect that you see for somebody who's already sick, and that is no effect if you've been sick for more than three days. You've had symptoms for more than three days. That is a sniffle or a cough. No effect whatsoever. Now, there is hope that if you catch people very early, these drugs are likely to work better. That's true for the antibody drugs that are being developed. And I think it's likely to be true for new generations of antiviral drugs. But in order to catch people really early, you have to do what I was saying earlier, have a massive early screening program. Now, you said that people wouldn't accept that. My understanding is if you made tests free, that you gave them free availability of tests that they could test themselves as often as they wanted, mm -hmm. uh, uh, many people would not object to that. That's not infringing your freedom. To have your office test you is a little bit more dicey, but it's something that I think most people who are office workers would rather know that somebody in their office isn't coming to work spreading viruses around. And then with a paid home stay, I think it makes it attractive. You don't have to have everybody uh, comply. You need about 70 to 80 percent of people to comply to drive this infection way, way down. Okay, so if, if offered an appointment to chair the coronavirus task force, would you accept? <laughs> I don't know if with this president I would accept. It's a recipe for early death from heart attack. <laughs> well, I I mean, the results you know, are I mean, the results I, not I completely would, in yet. There could be a change in leadership. There could be. And in, in that case, I'd be, yeah, if, if asked, of course, I'd be happy to serve. But let me say it's, it's a daunting, it's a daunting uh, challenge. Uh, for the people. I worked very closely with uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield. There's even a book uh, that attacks Dr. Redfield and I called The Myth of Heterosexual AIDS. We are the principal arch-villains of that book by suggesting that HIV AIDS may become a heterosexually transmitted disease. Uh, so we've been through the trenches yeah. uh, a number of times. But uh, I have great admiration for both of those uh, gentlemen operating in the environment that they do. Dr. William Hazeltine is a contributor at Forbes. He was a professor at the Harvard Medical School and the Harvard School of Public Health. And uh, I appreciate uh, this discussion very much. It's been eye-opening. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your interest. Okay, so what do we think, Dave? I mean, as the election results start to shift into Biden's favor now, could Dr. Hazeltine's plan be put into practice under a new administration? Well, why not? I'm pretty sure that Trump wouldn't do it. Um, Biden would think hard about it. It comes down to money, right? So if you think this over, the purpose of the coronavirus relief plan, especially the Paycheck Protection Program, was to put money in the pockets of unemployed people, right? To make sure that they at least can 
keep body and soul together until this passes. Well, if you can reopen businesses safely, right, using this plan, you don't need to subsidize as many unemployed people. Instead, then, you could use that money to pay them to isolate, as uh, as he suggests. Now, the thing is, and we didn't talk about this, how do you enforce that? Can you enforce it like China does? I think you would have to have something, some stick, like an isolation hotel, for example. So if if people uh, decided to to break this quarantine in large numbers, you'd have to say, well, this is serious enough that we're going to we're going to arrest you and put you in a hotel. We're going to still pay you the 500 bucks a month and we'll pay for the hotel room. But we just can't have you uh, walking around uh, and and ruining the whole plan. Because the, the only thing the only thing that makes this effective is if you do it for two months and everybody complies. Does that happen in a country like this, though? I mean, you force well, people the, to lock up, even if you're paying I know, them. That's, you know? I know. That's the question, isn't it? But we accept the idea of uh, of house arrest, right? For people who have committed nonviolent crimes, we put ankle bracelets on them, right? You're supposed to obey that. The question is how how badly do we want to go back to normal? It's not it's not an insubstantial thing that China, this country of what is it, one point three one point four billion people, is back to normal, and we are not. That New Zealand is back to normal. We, that South Korea is back to normal, and we are not. This is the thing that's killing us, right? That I got to sit here growing this beard, and you got to sit over there, and we can't be in the same room. Because of this virus, which, as he points out, is like a cold virus, which does not go away. It comes back year after year after year. And the only way you prevent it is to, even the vaccine doesn't do it. You you have to mask up if it gets this bad and isolate. Once you stamp it out, then you can go back to normal. Although I think, I think frankly, we're just going to be wearing masks for the foreseeable future. But we can still go to the theater. We can still go to restaurants and actually be with people. And the cost of doing that is for those people who test positive to have to isolate. And that's a great motivation, I think, to wear the mask and do the responsible thing. But as Americans, we know what happens when you don't afford it. And this, that's the whole, the whole issue with homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. You try to be nice. You try to say, here's this program, here's that program. But there's still this subset of people who don't want to comply. All right. Well, with homelessness, it's ugly, but you can get away with it. With the virus, as contagious as this, you can't get away with it. Nature has set the rules. And in the longer term, I'll tell you, and this is something that I've I've thought about uh, when it comes to China for a long time. They're trying to prove that police state capitalism, which is what they still are, is superior to free capitalism. If we can't win at the virus, they're going to win. You're not and endorsing it, communism, are you, Dave? I'm not endorsing. I'm saying we can do it without. I, I don't sure. consider it communism to enforce a quarantine. Okay. That's that's been long established law, not uh, at this level, because <laughs> we're talking about a lot of people here. If uh, especially if you have a, a, a substantial portion of the population who refuse to mask up, but the virus, it seems to me, has changed the rules. You can you can put on this uh, this courageous face, but if you end up in the hospital, you can't work. You can't even demonstrate if you're sick. And that's the challenge that we face, because if he's right, this does not go away once there's a vaccine. Yeah. Let's take a look at how the pandemic weighed on the minds of voters, shall we? So the exit polls from the election showed voters were deeply divided on what matters most, quickly reopening the economy or containing the virus. And shocker, their (laughs) opinions fell along partisan lines. Those who viewed the pandemic as the most pressing issue Shows Biden, 
The president's supporters prioritized the economy. Still, the Associated Press found more than four in ten voters said the pandemic was the most important problem facing the country. That's far more than any other issue. Another survey by Edison Research found only one in five voters considered the virus the top issue. Political preference also factored into how voters viewed the pandemic. Roughly four in five Trump supporters called it at least somewhat under control, just as many Biden voters said it was not at all under control. So not surprising, we are incredibly divided. Does anything change going forward, even if Biden does pull off the win? Well, from everything Biden's said, he wants to be a unifier. Even his statement right after the election is, uh, I'm going to be president of all the people. And uh, I was talking to a colleague earlier today, and I said, you know, when I was growing up, we had a word for Biden, a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, it seems to me that uh, he could do it. And, you know, Trump, if he wanted to, could do it, too, because I have it on the authority of Dory Monson, who has met the man and interviewed the man, that he is an absolute pussycat when you agree with him. Tune in next Thursday as we discuss more of the latest coronavirus news. You can subscribe to this podcast and also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.